Hello and welcome to another episode of Hot Takes, the story screen podcast where we see new movies and then talk about them with each other and, you know, have those those fresh-ass takes for you, the listener. Uh, my name is Robbie Anderson. I'm joined by Bernadette Gorman-White and Jack Kolodzetsky. How are you guys doing today? Good. As far living. as we can be. Yo, Surviving. Mm-hmm. Doing the quarantine thing as we are. This is a remote episode, so, uh, you know. Uh, it should be just as good. We've taken a few cracks at it, so it should be just as good. Just not even bad. Just usually <laughs> usually just when good. we record, I, I most of the time close my eyes and pretend I'm somewhere else anyway. So this is really just just living the life now. Yeah, yeah, it's helping you even more so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the movie we saw is a really fucking weird movie. Um, that's kind of been the, the theme as of late with Story Screen Podcasts. We're seeing some weird ones lately. We it's a weird time, movie. so we're seeing weird shit. You so know? Seeing that's weird what movies. I like. Uh, so we saw a horror movie? Suspense thriller, thriller? I would Psychological say. Psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. Uh, black comedy. Um, we saw this movie called Swallow, uh, directed by Carlo Mirabella Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swallow is a film about a married woman who maybe eats things she shouldn't. Nice, not doctor, nailed it. Not, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's it. what else? What else is going on? Guess what? IMDb, we got a new synopsis for you. <laughs> that's me. She, she maybe uh, eats things. She maybe eats things. She shouldn't. She eat shouldn't. Things. <laughs> maybe shouldn't. You know. Uh, what were your guys? What's uh, Bernadette? What's your hot take on Swallow? Overall, very much enjoyed it. Really liked how it was very winding and so idyllic that by the end of the movie, it kind of shifts and it reminds you that you are in the real world. I thought that was a very cool uh, little addition at the end. Um, Yeah. And I think it looked beautiful. I think the costume design for this movie is phenomenal. I think the way Mm. it was shot was amazing. The sets, the production design. Um, very much liked it. It was very enjoyable while also being very, very tense. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, and there's no wrong answer, how recently did you watch it? Did you watch it like today, or did you watch it like yesterday? Or I got off of the movie right around 7. So, oh, okay. wow. so you have that hot, hot, yeah. hot yeah, take. This is, you're coming in spicy. She yes. has maintained the spirit of this dumb idea we've, we've stuck that to. We, for that we've I've tried. To <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, no, kudos to you. Uh, Jack, what about you? Uh, I just watched it last night. Okay, so you had more time to maybe massage. A little bit. I could sleep on it. Yeah. 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 Um, I I thought it was really cool. I thought it was a really interesting concept. Um, and I thought that, you know, having this kind of main core idea of she is, you know, it's it's really the the kind of case of like a housewife who is not happy with her situation and that Mm. comes through really with her eating things um that is kind of the just core conceit of the movie no spoilers there that's i'm looking at the poster right now and it's pretty clear she's eating stuff she shouldn't she should not i'm just gonna go ahead hot take (laughs) she definitely should not eat the things she eats in this yeah if you watch the trailer Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things she should not be eating i'm not here to yuck anyone's yum but Probably not great for your health to consume some of the things that she consumes over the course no, of this movie. I would say th- I would say doctor recommends not doing that but, at all. But I liked how the movie plays off those core I, core themes of mm-hmm. uh, control, really, um, and especially for someone who is in a 
you know, less than ideal uh, relationship at, at the least and maybe like emotionally, if not physically abusive relationship at the most, um, finding what can be ultimately a, um, uh, a kind of a self-harm method to gain back that like small measure of control, I think is an interesting idea. Um, and I think the movie is, is really well, uh, crafted in a lot of ways. Like I think it, it, like you said, uh, Bernadette, I think the production design, the set design, the costume design is all really cool. Um, I think it's really well acted. Um, Haley Bennett is the, the, the lead actress in this movie. I think she does a really good job of that kind of like, sort of mousy understated housewife that like over the course of the movie, like really kind of comes into her own in a lot of ways. Um, I think if I have any like negative criticisms about this movie, I think the pacing maybe um, kind of goes a little bit off the rails towards the end. Um, it's only an hour and a half, like hour and 35 minute long movie. And I think if anything, it could have taken its time. I like generally short movies, especially when it comes to thrillers or horror. Um, but I think this movie had a little bit more going on thematically that I, I would have liked to see them, like, especially in the end, and we'll get to that in Spoiler Zone, uh, kind of take its more time in it and, and explore that a little more in depth. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair criticism. Uh, personally, I like the conciseness mm-hmm. of it. Um, but I think that's kind of, you know, it's damned if you do damned. It's a choice. It's a choice. I think, I think the conciseness works for it um yeah overall i also i i enjoyed the movie i i finished it um like around six so not as hot as bernadette not as as cool headed cool. as jack yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um but Got yeah i also spectrum. yeah I'm, I'm right smack dab in the middle hmm. um but yeah i i enjoyed it i thought it was weird i was also eating dinner while i was watching it at one point mm. which was like that was a weird choice you knew better than that I know. I but, scarfed uh, down a sandwich in between watching it and then getting on this podcast. That's <laughs> and it really correct. made you think that's about the... eating. Yes, <laughs> I ate four paper clips since last night. Um, oh, which disgusting. it's not because I have any sort of disorder. It's because I can't go to the grocery store and I don't have any food left. So I'm kind of mm. you know getting down to uh, the wire here. Yeah, you gotta get food from our sponsor, uh, HelloFresh. <laughs> Listen, isn't that right? Isn't wanna, that right, HelloFresh? If they want to sponsor us, HelloFresh. They email me every day, so let's talk. They email me you know? too every day. Well, Jack, you um, know, if you want to come over, we have food here. If you just I can't want to do come that. over here, I, I know. can't do that. <laughs> Social distance. You should Don't even through, tease like, me with like that. The, like the mail slot, and then you can spray <laughs> yes. it with like Windex or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I re- I I really dug it. Um, all the things you guys said are true. Um, and the thing I think is is cool for this podcast that we're gonna end up doing is maybe. Um, diving deeper into like what the film means because I do think there there are moments where the film deals its hand in ways where it's trying to be like no this is the allegory it's not that hard to get but then there's like pushback like almost like wall breaking from like the characters in it being like no it's really just I like it for this reason this is the reason why I do this thing and I almost wonder like what other kind of thematics we can pull from from the film as we chat about it yeah, because um, I, I kind of disagree with you. I think that the characters kind of lean into those pushbacks of what it's actually going for, the actual wars in the film. I think it leans into it, but in a way that makes you think that maybe they're trying to simplify it. But yeah, yeah looking no, forward to talking about it. 
For sure. No, that's what I, I mean. I, I'm not saying the film is simple. I mean that I think the film almost is trying to trick you or almost like try and present it as simple to try and um, gotcha. have you pull from it deeper. I mean, gotcha. it's it's Understood. hard to talk about really without diving into it. But I think in general, the movie is dealing with the kind of traumas and disorders, uh, psychological disorders that are very much deep deeply buried um i think that's that that's one of the core themes of the movie um is kind of is covering up that trauma and even you know in instances where characters are presented directly with like well maybe this has something to do with it it is very firmly rooted in denial um continuing to to um not deal with that trauma and that that disorder directly uh and that's kind of what i think leads to what the escalation of this movie is yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah for sure um i also you know to to you know go back to some of the more spoiler free moments of it like i also do really like it aesthetically i also really like the costume design of it i feel like um it's, do you, so you got do you know it was shot in poughkeepsie oh i thought I, it's all highland but yeah yeah i saw highland oh uh, okay i saw um when i went on wikipedia it said poughkeepsie new york and then there's a scene later in the film that I recognize because I'm pretty sure it's shot in White Plains. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, well, it just says the Hudson Valley at the end and Highland, so mm-hmm. that it could be kind of anything, really. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a scene. I don't want to say it, even though it's not really like a spoiler, but it's a location at the end of the movie. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it is a place in White Plains, which I, I see. Too. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and that's pretty cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, Shout out to Hudson Valley. Woo. More and more movies shot there all the time. It's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought the movie took place in California, though. But do they ever I mean, say explicitly? I don't know. There's a place. There's like a. There's another location where it's like a hotel. It's like like West Hotels or something like that. And that's uh, what made me think maybe it was in Cali. But she, she mentions she's from, she's from New York. Yeah, she says yeah. she's from upstate New York. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which uh, to a lot of people that just means you know Westchester. Yeah, true. Or Yonkers or whatever. <laughs> um, I will say I, I've not seen any houses that look like that in Poughkeepsie, but uh, I mean it's on the water, so yeah, I'm true. sure tucked away. Yeah, somewhere. There's a lot yeah. of woods around, so it could be pretty easily tucked away somewhere around there. Yeah, for but sure. uh, this movie actually gave me. I think it was mostly in this aesthetics. I couldn't really like pin down why. It was reminding me of this movie, but it, there was a very specific movie that this movie reminded me of, and I'm wondering if there was anything that this movie reminded you guys of, and I wonder if we're thinking of the same movie. Um, Personally, no. I, no. I found this film to be unique in many ways. <laughs> Are you speaking mostly about the house? I That's the thing. I, it's hard for me to put my finger on exactly what it is, but like something while watching this movie, especially the first half of this movie, like triggered something in my brain that reminded me of a different movie. And it's like, not, it's not the same or it, it, I think it only shares like vague similarities, but for some reason it really stuck, uh, stood out to me. Hmm. Cause the house itself kind of, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the hint I'm going to give you guys is that we, the three of us saw this movie together. Oh, are you thinking killing with sacred deer? Correct. Mm hmm. 
Hmm. There's an HBO Nothing. show called Divorce, and it's also shot in upstate New York. Okay. And the house was very similar to a house used in that show. Okay. But yeah, I can see what you're saying. Sorry, yeah, Robbie. Yeah, something, something about the, I don't know, the presentation or the tone, at least, in the first act of the movie definitely gave me Killing of a Sacred Deer vibes, though not as like explicitly weird, obviously. I think I think for me, like when it comes to Lanthimos's work, it's like the thing that always stands out to me is just when people start talking. Like to me, that's like sure, the, yeah, the thr- yeah, yeah, you know, without a doubt. Um, and that's not this, but there not is necessarily like, there no. is like um, sort of a coldness to it, especially in that first act. The way that everyone's talking to each other, it feels a little bit like you know, almost robotic in that same way that Lanthimos does sometimes, like. There is like a distance between the way people talk to each other. And I think that's establishing kind of, you know, the relationship uh, that the the main character has with her family, with uh, Hunter has with her family, like her husband mm-hmm. and, and her step parents. So or not right. step parents, in-laws rather. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think it maybe it was like kind of the um, like color palette as well. Gave me some similar vibes, like like really stark, like whites. Um, yeah. Yeah. It also does a really good job of not allowing you to fully understand what the rules of the world are. Yeah. Which the end of the movie better contextualizes that it is our world that we're witnessing. But they Mm -hmm. do a very good job of you don't really know exactly time and place. You don't Mm -hmm. really know if all women stay home. Like you just really don't know a lot of the specifics. So I can understand why that would lend to like a Lanthimos type of understanding for sure. Yeah. There is kind of like an in- inherent strangeness to it too. Like there's just it, there's just a it's hard to describe other than it's just a weird vibe mm-hmm. going on. It's certainly a weird vibe. Yeah, I, I like I think the costume design also lends itself to mm-hmm. that out of timeness. At least at least like her uh, hunters costumes specifically yeah. her outfits like they're very pastelly. They feel almost like fifties um, esque housewife at times. Um, yeah. At least, I mean, to me, to me, that's how they how they looked at times. It turns out that myself. aesthetic is just really fucking rich. That's all <laughs> it is. You know, yeah. it doesn't it's modern, but just really fucking rich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True that. Yeah, the movie's cool. I mean, you know, I think it's a film that's for like if you're into uh, suspenseful horror movies, this is this is that it has all those elements. I think that's what the target audience is. Um, if you like feeling really bad, like in the throat area when you're watching it, that's yeah. that's a good. This is a movie for you as well. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if I would say even like distinctly horror. Really, I mean, there are. I think it is. It is is really smart and really clever in the way that it can make you really have like a visceral like sort of cringe reaction to some of the things that are going on in this movie, and in like a way yeah. that is not directly like violent or you know quote-unquote scary but at the same time you're watching what's going on on the screen and you're like oh my god i like you almost have to close your eyes kind of thing you know yeah it's Um, very it's very physical like i i like experience like physical discomfort and uh, yeah that happens to me when i watch movies like uh like hereditary midsummer do that to me all the time where i like curl up into the fetal position as i watch it and this movie kind of gave me that vibe as well yeah there's almost like a um uh, a weaponized kind of like almost asmr sort of like feel to the way the sound design is done as well 
almost like you're they're That's crossing like mukbang and asmr and and using it in a suspense thriller kind of way that is meant to hurt you and i think it's pretty effective in that Hmm. yeah actually with the suspense for me personally because i knew the premise of the film somewhat getting into the actual eating of things of course is jarring but you see that coming and so it was really just like a specific human interaction, which we'll get into in spoilers, mm-hmm. that was the first thing to make me really uncomfortable. So they do a very good job of that tension and release because it makes the tension with the humans and the human element of the film even more tense. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Burn, you're uh sorry, Jack, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Robbie. You you go. First. I was gonna say, Burn, you're not you're not always into the scaries like me, right? Correct. I'm definitely getting a lot better at watching horror yeah. films. And I wouldn't quite say that this is a horror, but I definitely knew it was going to make me uncomfortable. Yeah. It's suspenseful and gross. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I guess that doesn't necessarily equate to horror, even though it sounds like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't wanna like scare anyone away by saying it's it's horror, because I think it's it's a diff, a different kind of suspense, and I think it's Probably, while it's pretty weird, um, I would say it's still fairly accessible in a way that, like, if you're skeeved out by most horror movies, you could, you'll probably be okay with this. Mm -hmm. But knowing that uh, it is still effective in in giving you that tension and release, like you said, Bernadette. Yeah, and actually, I think as a film, the way in which it resolves is very different from the gloom that leans over what it is that we deal with in our life in the real world outside of the film the film only makes you realize that even more which is actually more scary than the film mm-hmm. itself yeah 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 definitely it's a tense movie uh all the characters are mean except for our, our main protagonist it's uh there, there's uh, an ongoing theme that has only been it's i think i really started to notice it in like 2019 and then uh i mean it's a theme that i've kind of kept in mind my whole life but like fuck rich people is <laughs> like sort of the yeah. like you know you had like ready or not last year um yeah. and um knives out as well and, and i'd say this is parasite yeah obviously yeah. and this is like right in that same category of movies that are pretty firmly cemented on fuck rich people it's fuck yeah. rich people and it's also you know it it's I'd be remiss to not bring up that it's it's fuck rich people, but also like a lot of the problems that Hunter faces is specifically like gender related. You Definitely. know, obviously Absolutely. it's like her it's her mm-hmm. position just because of her gender in this relationship. And then it's kind of exacerbated by how rich these people just are, where they can kind of um just choose to do things. I feel like I watched some what did I now I'm thinking of something that reminded me of this movie. Suspense. Suspense. <laughs> well, maybe oh, you'll think of it. It reminded me. It, so it reminded me of Invisible Man. Uh, of course, you just see. That's why I couldn't help you. I ju- out. Well, I, well, I did yet. just yeah, watch it, yeah. but it. Uh, well, there are elements which it would spoil both movies. But, uh, okay. Okay. Specific well, we'll talk about it in, that... uh, in some some spoiler zones. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of spoiler zone, is there any other spoiler free impressions you guys want to throw out there for people who are listening to like the first half of this podcast before they go into the spoiler section? I would say check this movie out if you're looking for, uh, something, something a little bit, a little bit different and a little bit, and a little bit suspenseful. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's worth it. And let's be honest, you've, you've probably got the time. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Miranda, what about you? Six ninety nine on Amazon Prime. That's how I watched it. Very affordable. Now that's the sponsor we gotta get. Amazon Prime. Because <laughs> there's definitely some yeah. synergy. We can work some stuff out here. I'd love to pay for less movies, so I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we, uh, we got lucky for too long at the movie theater. Now, <laughs> now I gotta pay for movies again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Rats. Cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with uh, spoilies for Swallow. Um, I'm going to tell you who dies. If you're only listening to this first half of the episode before you see uh, Swallow, uh, I just want to say follow us on all of our social medias on storiesforbeacon.com. We also just launched a subscription service that is also on our website. You can pay $5 a month and get access to a whole bunch of cool stuff. Uh, Bernadette wrote an article. I made a video review. There's also a podcast by Diana and Mike, um, all covering some stuff that may not always be covered uh, by our regular line of content. We're still going to be doing this kind of stuff, um, but you know, now that we're all home and doing more things on our computers, we're going to try and branch out and do some fun shit. So uh, please check all that out. But we're going to be right back. I'm going to tell you who the fuck dies and what the fuck this lady eats. Tell you everything she eats, the whole the whole course, full menu. Every everything. Any turkey. Or is it? Mm. And we're back with spoilies for the movie that's about the girl who eats that swallow. That's the one. That's the one that we're talking <laughs> about. Um, so uh, what was everyone's f- least favorite or favorite thing that she ate? Ooh. What gave you the most, like, I was disappointed, as much as you can be, to not see someone actually eat the jack. Because uh. <laughs> you see the jack laid out on a hospital table table later on because she had eaten it and we didn't see her eat it. But it was yep. stuck in her body. And I wanted to see that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that was, like, really my only eating thought. That one seemed to be the nail that broke the camel's back as well. <laughs> yeah, the one that that's the one that got set poked. her in. Yeah. You know, other than the nail that she ate also. So the, the nail's mine, or the thumbtack is The thumbtack. The thumbtack is the one, because I think oh that's because they, they set it up so much like that. They yeah. really do that scene well with her like putting it in her mouth and Being getting like, that little no. bit of blood and spinning it back out and then like sitting down on the couch and then running back. It, just when you're like, oh, thank God she didn't fucking eat that thumbtack. She like runs back over and then just... Yeah. Oh man, Jack is is the thumbtack yours as well, or do you have another one? No, yeah, it's the thumbtack. I just think that I think that that full scene is like really, yeah, really effective. More effective than a a lot of horror, where you're just straight up doing like gore or or violence or something like that. That kind of scene just really like gets under your skin. I think. Well, it's a really smart way to develop tension, and they're really just using one actor and a prop. And the way that they're kind of like slowly ramping that up is, mm-hmm. is very smart. Yeah, it's, it's framed. is very cool. It's so simple and so creative and I think so effective. Yeah. I do think when she was about to eat the nail. So when she was going to eat the nail, which is like the second straw that broke the camel's back. That was the um, final straw, really. That, yeah. Oh, well, the, I thought, that was like a little screwdriver. Like a yeah, little it wasn't. Yeah, screwdriver. yeah. I, yeah, I thought it was an exacto knife. I did too. And I was just like, don't do it. That's that's bad. That's yeah. That's (laughs) not gonna do well. That's not gonna go down smooth, and it's gonna come out even worse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe more to elaborate my my point that I brought in in spoilers, or like what kind of prompted that line of thought. Uh, You know, when she's in therapy and she's saying like she really is being like, I really just like the way this shit tastes. I like the texture of it. I like that 
And like, obviously when you psychoanalyze her, like she's being psychoanalyzed in this moment, mm-hmm. you know, you, you could see some pretty, like, I think obvious reasoning for her doing it, seeking control, mm-hmm. things like that. But, uh, I thought it was interesting that the movie goes to lengths in the dialogue to kind of be like, it, I, I, it, it struck me cause I had a moment of being like, what if there is a person who's just like, nah, there's not really like a reason. I just, I just do this you know and obviously like there's a reason then we kind of learn that there's like generational trauma at play but that that's kind of what i was thinking where i thought that was like an interesting direction to go almost to like maybe like cover the movie's own tracks to maybe think the audience be like maybe she's just kind of loopy i don't know yeah yeah i I mean go ahead go ahead no you go you go first please i was just going to say that i think that scene with the tack when it's left on the kitchen counter and you can kind of hear it like speaking to her and it's mm-hmm. calling to her. Mm-hmm. I think that was a good explanation for what this is. It's an eating disorder. And then sure. when she's yeah. At, with, yeah, with the therapist and she's just normalizing it, that's the way to take control of the lack of control of which she's mm. trying to control. So right. it's just like very heavily layered. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's it, it, like, like you said, Bernadette, like an eating disorder or the other thing that it, it kind of made me think of immediately was like self-harm and like, you know, cutting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of like is, a nice medley of the two. right? Definitely. Yeah. And self-harm is a big part of it because, you know, where Hunter is in her life, she's clearly not happy. Uh, she clearly has lost kind of any sense of her own personal identity. She has... Uh, she clearly doesn't i mean by the end of the movie it's clear but she clearly does not really is not ready for or does not want this pregnancy um which is a major aspect of it because she only starts having this disorder after she finds out that she's pregnant um and i think it's that in conjunction with her own sort of deep-seated trauma of knowing that her father raped her mother and that she was a product of rape are the two things that kind of make this it's like that the deep deep seated trauma that this is like her physical way of expressing that trauma and expressing not dealing with that trauma and any sort of like oh i just like the way like metal tastes in her mouth could absolutely be true um for her but that is also just like a manifestation like you said bernadette she's just kind of like creating this own sort of like internal logic for herself which again stems from her just not actually recognizing and being honest about where she's at like situationally how deeply unhappy she is and how she's never actually really reconciled with the 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 trauma of knowing that she is the product of abortion and she even says like to her psychologist directly like oh i've dealt with it and like she carries around a cutout of her mother's rapist like her father and like sure maybe you've dealt with it in your own way but like clearly like this is the the actual like physical manifestation of that trauma not being dealt with and i think that the movie is really like those themes represented in a way that are very much true to life like you know when you say allegory for something like this like sure it is kind of like allegorical about like a greater concept theme sort of thing but it's also just like a pretty direct an explicit example of like this kind of thing because this disorder is not a made-up fiction for this movie this is something that people actually do right right and it's so harrowing to realize that 
most likely every sexual encounter that Hunter has had has mm-hmm. kind of been a transaction. And she's sure. justified every single sexual act, almost as if every single one was a rape. And the fact that now she has this thing implanted in her body, the only way to take control is to put things in her body by her own will. Right. And yeah. It's very sad. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if that speaks to like her like having uh, worked in retail. Also, like that transactional type of interactions that she's had. I never really thought about it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think her working in retail just comes from like, she's clearly in a, also, I mean, I think those things synergize, but she's also just clearly like in a different class than uh, her husband yeah. and her husband's family. It's very much positioned where she has gotten the, the golden ticket, so right. to speak. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's a major theme of the movie as well. It's yeah. like, clearly that does not necessarily guarantee your happiness at yeah. all. I mean, it's pretty explicit over the course of the movie that her husband is deeply selfish does not actually care he just wants the fucking kid he just wants the family you know and that's and that's like something a lot of like films that follow rich people are about is that they're they're almost like almost like stories you hear about like old school royalty where they're Mm -hmm. just like we need the air i need that air so fucking bad yeah and if you don't have a king come out of there i'm gonna be so fucking mad at you i swear to god and Mm -hmm. that's kind of like what this high super high class people are like where they're just like the wealth only stays in this family if we have people to kind of take the surname and do the thing, you know? Right. And oh, I mean, yeah. her husband is an example of that nepotism right there because he yeah. is moving up in the co- company because his father owns the company and he's like, just that's just being passed down. So he wants something to pass down. And he also just mm-hmm. wants, you know, a quiet, tidy housewife that will stay home, cook for him, clean the house and make a baby for him. And the second yeah. that she has any sort of problems of her own he's immediately like oh i can't deal like i don't have the time to deal with this like he he immediately treats her disorder as something that is a problem for him that he has to deal with she is a model at social distancing though yeah she's like True. super she's super good at she's like the poster child for social distancing. except lue right gets a little bit too close sometimes uh, he, gets a little bit clo- he has the way he has like my favorite line in the movie where he's like yeah i had to I had to leave because of war. If yep. you were dealing with a war, you wouldn't have all this shit going <laughs> the, the, on. The brain disorder, you would not yeah. have time <laughs> you, to worry if you, about. If there was war, it was just like, there's a truth in this and you're being a dick. Oh, well, I think the whole movie is about the war on women. Definitely. So ah, I, yeah. I think... Yeah, yeah, he's underplaying that trauma. Right, mm-hmm. of what the Americans deal with. We don't have maybe a physical war at all times, but we very much do have a war on gender. And yeah, to go back to the nepotism, the first thing her father-in-law says to her when he sees her, knowing that she's pregnant, is yeah, that's the future CEO of the Mm -hmm. company, yeah. But um, I think to go back too to the retail analysis, I think, I wouldn't say that I don't know a lot of men who have worked retail, but I feel like almost every woman that I know has worked retail at some point in their life. And I think that that just speaks to men telling women, oh, you're not good at this job. He even tells her, he tells Hunter, Richie does. He's like, you're not good at anything. And yeah, it seems Mm -hmm. like whenever we do see women, we do see the psychologist seemingly acting autonomously, but then we find out that she's also being controlled by the men. So anytime you see a woman who seems like she is in charge, you soon realize that she is not in charge. Right. So... Yeah, I do think Until that Lue yeah. uh, line is very good. Yeah. I mean, she, she takes control by the end of the movie, which mm-hmm. is 
which is a cool elevation by uh, swallowing mm-hmm. which i think thought that was a cool like thematic like finale there yeah yeah agreed that's true that's cool um were you guys expecting her to like go see her real dad no i was very i was very surprised the the, the last like kind of like chunk acts of the movie so to speak um i was very surprised that they went in the direction they they went into i also i mean admittedly i was not really sure how they were going to wrap it up yeah i this was a movie that like in each act i was like i have no idea where this is gonna go yeah next so um it doesn't surprise me that they brought her father back into play because they excuse me they gave him so much discussion time earlier in the movie um like they brought him up multiple times she showed the picture of him um so you know it seemed like that was a thread that needed to be resolved at some point especially because like that initial violence against a woman is really what set her entire life into motion and like bernadette is saying like that sort of violence whether it's explicit violence or more like subtle inherent violence kind of um is what this movie is really dealing with so yeah. But I thought that that scene was was really well done as well. Yeah, Dennis O'Hare is a treasure, and it was very nice to see him in this movie. He's a phenomenal yeah. actor. What did you think, Bernadette, to their like actual conversation and kind of where they left things? Because I felt like it was, you know, a little more measured, really, than you might expect something like a confrontation like that to go. Yeah, I, I agree. I did not know where it was going to land or how heated it was going to become. And by the end of the scene, it's just a very, very sad scene to see how easy it would have been for her to reconcile with that violence in her past, because she's very quick about what she wants and what she needs. And she says, I don't know a couple times about, well, I don't know if I'm going to ruin your life. I don't know what I want, but then she comes to the conclusion pretty quickly and so I did find it a very compelling scene, but very unexpected for what yeah. I thought was going to happen. Because I thought it was going to become more heated, possibly even violent. I I was not sure what she was going to do because she's such a live wire. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to me, too, how it was like sort of ultimately, I don't know if you read it in the same way, but like sympathetic mm-hmm. for him. Like it seems like she offered him some sort of forgiveness. And I think in... Just getting what she wanted out of him by just realizing that, you know, they're not the same. Um, you know, it that was it seemed cathartic in a way that like was not necessarily just demonizing him as well, even though he had done something horrific. Right. I I was a little disappointed when I realized that the scene was lending itself to be sympathetic to his character because I didn't think that he had earned that. We don't know his story. Just walking in on a new family and a new child and a birthday party isn't going to make me sympathetic towards that type of character. Sure. But I do like the wording of how they phrase that conversation because what she was doing with all of the swallowing was doing that and then having to extract the item out of her actual defecation. Mm -hmm. And the dad says to her, I found out what I am. I'm just shit. And so mm-hmm. I think to her, she kind of sees that as, well, you are exactly what I'm doing and just purging out of my body. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can actually purge you out of my body now because I've been holding yeah. you for so long. So I thought it was an interesting way to write that scene. 
Do you think in a way, maybe even like the way that he, you know, tells his story to her, especially like the kind of pity stuff about him being in jail and stuff is just like another layer of manipulation and control as well because in a way he convinces her not to blow up his life in that scene yeah i do think that people who have manipulated their entire life don't know anything else yeah and he knew that the stakes were very very high and so he did but i hope that It doesn't matter whether he was manipulating her or not. I hope that she got what she needed out of it ultimately. Yeah. I think that's ultimately the thing is like she, what she, I don't think she was, she showed up looking to blow up his life. I think she just needed that like kind of reassurance for herself, like her own realization that she's not him. She doesn't need him and she can be, you know, different than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's not necessarily just cursed to be garbage her entire life just because of where she came from mm-hmm. um but yeah i th- think it is interesting to me like how kind of easily they let him off the hook kind of right yeah i think it's hard anytime you have like a character like that on screen for any amount of time and and the movie even like 10 percent tries to give you sympathy towards them like when you have this like convicted rapist on screen it's right. just like you know, like even even a lot of time, like I, I was watching something with like uh, Kirsten, and we're, we're watching Bates Motel, and there's like a character who is like a rapist on the show, and and the show is definitely like, and and I think this episode probably came out in like 2015, so this like predates like the Me Too Me Too movement by a certain amount, where like kind of the conversations around like rape have have kind of like started to morph and change in the cultural zeitgeist of things, but. Still, like, I feel like the show's trying to make us have, like, sympathy for him, or, like, they're doing it kind of slowly, but I'm just like, I don't think there's really anything you can do to make me, to make me, the audience, be into that, you know? Like, he's written off for me forever, you know? There's no character development to be had here for me, you know? Yeah, I think that's why it's interesting to, like, take a step back and try to think about the intent of what the piece is trying to say about that person, or what is the the piece trying to make you feel about that specific person. Yeah. And it's okay if, if ultimately like it's supposed to be complex or you're supposed to kind of wrestle with those feelings. Cause clearly Hunter's wrestling with those feelings in that scene. So I also think maybe she needed to hear that she was nothing like her father because she was wrestling of whether she was actually going to abort this baby or not. Mm-hmm. And to hear that the baby is not like the parent made it easier for her because she said, this baby isn't me. Right. This isn't going to be a connection that I have to have. Because it's not there. Right, because so. that's the specific line in the movie as well. That like her mother is very, you know, religious conservative and would not abort a pregnancy. Even in the case of incest or rape, like she mm-hmm. said. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's totally a good point. That like that is kind of her validation to moving ahead with terminating the pregnancy because that's what happens like right after right mm-hmm. yeah so. um jack you brought up an interesting point um through your one of your criticisms of the movie is that you kind of wish that there is it could have been longer or at least like spent more time in certain areas of it um for each of you guys what are maybe moments or lack of moments you would have liked to see on screen like, there is there like a room for for a character driven moment that you kind of wish you got to see while you're watching it? I, I I think my criticism there is really just because I think 
you know, the first two acts of the movie, like the first act with kind of just setting up like what, what her position is in this household um, mm-hmm. and kind of giving her the reason and then like initiating kind of like her starting to consume things. And then the second act, like her dealing with that, her being found out, then her kind of like reconciling with that. And then that's kind of the whole second act. And then the third act is like sort of this escape from her house. And then yeah. you get everything with the father and then everything in the uh, the mall with the, the term or uh, post terminating the pregnancy and stuff. And it just feels like the those first two acts really do take their time in kind of like all everything that's going on there and just the way the, the movie is kind of paced in those two acts like it, it i think that also kind of is what gave me a little bit of um killing of a sacred deer vibes is it it does give you that suspension as uh, suspense and tension by you know the pacing and the way that it takes the time in those scenes and then the third act like there's a lot of things that need to happen a lot of realizations and reconciliations that happen and they all kind of happen like very quickly um especially like post escape where it's like you know she is told by her husband that like oh i'm gonna track you down and stuff and then kind of that is let go for the rest of the the movie so it's not i think especially talking about it again like i really like the scenes that happen there i just wish maybe they had a little bit more time to breathe yeah i almost feel like there's such a disconnect because the yeah. first two acts, as you're saying, almost seem like a twisted fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And then she literally like escapes out of that book. And then she's in the real world. And the, the pacing does seem off a little bit. But I yeah. think it's probably because she's been trapped in that mindset for so long. That's true. That the movie That's made, a good read. Yeah. Like it yeah, like that too. maneuvers how she interprets the real world, which is something that she hasn't done in a long time. Because she's been so desensitized to what's been happening in her life and she's really just trapped in that house i mean Mm -hmm. time probably seems like it moves at a crawl because she's just in that house all the time with not much else to do right Um, something that we can all probably relate to at this point um don't start swallowing stuff guys okay or (laughs) at least just stick stick to marbles it seems like the marble went okay the marble's easy I'm just swallowing this bourbon, son. <laughs> there was a moment. There was a moment where, after she retrieved the marble and she was just kind of looking at it, I thought she was gonna be like, "Round two, bitches," and she just pop it back. I uh, I also thought she was gonna eat the marble again. And I was just like, "This is like," because at that point you're like 20 minutes into the movie. I'm like, "Is she gonna eat this marble she pooped out like, again?" <laughs> I don't know about I mean, this. She cleaned it, right? It, it seems like she cleans them after she's already eaten them once, but. Well, she has like First a trophy. Initial eating. On her vanity. Yeah, she never washes oh, no, it before she, she eats it. it. No, 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 yeah. Which is no, you, really I hard mean, to that's, watch. That's, uh, that kind of seasoning you need on there. Mm. Yeah, you, need, right? you need the floor spice on yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want it to taste like soap. I think I would have liked to see, and uh, this isn't like backseat directing because I get why it's not in there, but me as just someone who likes the story of the movie and something I was curious about, I was like, I wish I kind of got to see how they met. Mm hmm. Um, cause they, cause they bring up how separated they are in terms of class and like what her job was and what he does. So it's like, well, how did they even intersect in the first place? Mm-hmm. And then how did this even evolve into what it is? Like, is it because he just is like wildly attracted to her? Is it because that he finds her quaint and that makes her interesting to him of his status? Like it's things like that where I would, I was like kind of just curious about, and I wouldn't have mind seeing, cause I think that would have been like, 
it would have added some extra context to what was going on. But I do think the lack of it kind of works better in what the film ultimately is doing. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think you could also explain that away with just like a line. Also like, oh, Richie and I met in a bar and he was there with his boys and they were all and wearing their suits so and stuff. And then, you yeah. know, because like, that could totally be it. You know, like yeah. he's just a wealthy guy who's probably like throwing his, his money. And I mean, mm-hmm. in a way, they kind of explain what happened with her mother in her rape case and you could almost see like the parallels there probably like you yeah. can almost infer like something similar could have happened in that same way and ultimately wound up kind of going down the same path really in a in a sort of demented like parallelism mm-hmm. but uh yeah yeah her mother-in-law too saying or asking her the question are you faking it or are you really happy did you make it Right, And I think probably something very similar happened to the mother-in-law, I'd imagine, when she met the Mm father-in-law. She just faked it longer. Yeah, an opportunity to have what you think is a representation of happiness. And I'm sure Hunter, she's been faking it her entire life. So I'm sure that led to her getting with someone who could provide for her. Yeah. Yeah, I think that also leads itself very well into that grim fairy tale type read of it I, I like that read a lot i definitely think that's like relevant here um i think hunter like you know i, I like i like movies that are character pieces i think hunter's a very interesting character mm-hmm. yeah um she's like a demented like, princess like a demented for sure damsel in distress yeah. mm-hmm. and i and i think that's why like i think it's good when you get to the end of a movie like this and you're just like oh how did how did these people meet? What other things has she done? What was her childhood like? It's like you're just more you're fascinated by who this person is ultimately, you know. Yeah, I think it speaks to how well the character is written and performed that you want to know more more stuff like that. Absolutely. I know I was so upset when she's finally telling a story about her past and then the father-in-law interrupts her oh. at dinner. And yeah, I was I like, know. oh, okay, we're not going to get to know anything about her. Well, that's yeah. when she got, that's when she eats the ice as well. And it's kind of like she's feeling cold in that moment, and then she starts eating the ice. Um, and, it, you know, thinking about that, I almost wonder, like, with the things that she's eating, if there's any more, like, ways you can look into, like, what the texture of the thing is and how that relates to, like, the scene or the motif. And mm. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I mean, obviously, like, you know, when she's eating the, the kitchen uh screwdriver like you know it's like she wants to this this is the one she's like is gonna fucking fuck me up pretty good yeah <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. but i'm also you know and, and then there's like a montage she's eating a bunch of things so there's not really like room for like too much like what each item kind of means in that moment but it's just it's something to think about like how much thought was put into like what the thing is in the moment that she's eating it you know i mean i think it's clear that the more upset she is the the more extreme the items. items she's eating. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like sure. the idea of the marble because playing marbles used to be a very popular pastime, but the world has moved on, just like the world has kind of moved on from housewives. And that's all she is at the moment, like a useless mm-hmm. marble, just something pretty yeah. to sit on a shelf. And the jack as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bygone I toys. F- I would lose my fucking mind if I was stuck in the house by myself all day. <laughs> probably start swallowing yeah. some stuff you know probably probably didn't have unless you had crossing unless you had uh, animal crossing yeah that would make yeah. a difference yeah. <laughs> this movie the movie uh the plot of this movie would be totally different if she had an she, she just had an island to to inhabit yeah absolutely yeah. 
find some iron nuggets and uh, some soft wood. Yeah. <laughs> do not <laughs> swallow those iron nuggets. No, don't not swallow good. any anything in Animal Crossing, really. No. <laughs> don't swallow your Joy-Con or your Nintendo Switch, please. No, those are hard to come by now. Mm-hmm. They're they're too rare to swallow. Cool. Uh, is there any other spoiler thing? Any anything about swallow? You guys want to get off your chest or forever hold your peace? I really liked that the movie ended in a women's restroom. Um, in yeah. I guess maybe the Palisades Mall. That's what it looked like to me. I'm not sure. White Plains Mall. White yeah. Plains Mall. Westchester. Yeah. The White Plains. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I've been there many times, and I and I thought I was just like, that's the White Plains Mall. Very cool. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was very smart to end in a communal space for women. That is mm-hmm. most of the time relatively safe for women because all of the scenes of her in the past being in a restroom, isolated by herself. And she's never really in a safe space for women at uh, Richie's birthday party. She's saying hello to all of these women that she hopes are her compatriots. And to find out that they are also kind of turned against her due to the men in their lives is very heartbreaking. So Mm, to end it in such like a very like normal, basic setting that holds so much meaning and power and to have all of these other women who we don't know their stories, but coming in and out of the shot was very cool. I very much enjoyed that. Makes you think what happens in a bathroom stall when you use it in a public place. Yes, that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what just fucking happened in here? I don't know. <laughs> no, I also, I really like that scene too. And I like that it was like the, it's the entirety of the credits as well as that, is that they stay there. And, yeah. And yeah, I, I like that as well. Yeah. And I, I thought like the ending ultimately was somewhat hopeful, even though, Hunter had been through so much like she kind of walked out of that restroom with her held head held high like finally she is actually in control and I think that's the that's the kind of like nice thematic parallel that is throughout the movie that she's trying to swallow things to get this like small sense of control in her life uh, and ultimately like she swallows the abortion pill and that is what actually like gives her that kind of freedom and like from there she's sort of starting anew and you can just see like i think that speaks to the performance as well you can sort of see the like confidence in in her face when she when she walks out of that restroom if she has that kid she'd never be free right you know yep yeah and and that's kind of like the the cool message of like her making a choice that is this choice is kind of the choice that sets her free and and makes the control kind of happen for at the end you know Mm mm-hmm it's cool. Yeah. Uh, Jack, anything you want to bring up about Swallow before we wrap no, up? No, it's, it's a really cool movie. I think talking about it like this is even like solidified. Like I, I like it more now, I think, than yeah. I did uh, initially. Yeah, I think, uh, Burn, I think you're the, the MVP of this episode. You had some cool reads oh. of the flick. I didn't realize. Well, thank you. I, I was yeah. the hottest off of the movie, so maybe that helped. True. <laughs> True. Yeah, man. It's cool. No, it's a good, it's a good flick. I, I, also, I also knew us talking about it would pull some some more fun goop some good movie goop out of there and you guys know how much i love goop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's my favorite goop oh, for days yeah mm-hmm. the gwyneth, mm-hmm. gwyneth paltrow provided the go- <laughs> don't buy no. that uh-huh. <laughs> that is not a sponsor of this podcast cool. yeah uh quickly what are you guys what have you guys been doing in the past few days to help you be alone in quarantine or with your significant others in quarantine what are you watching what are you doing um i did we just, we, 
Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Berta. You first. I was going to say, <laughs> we just so, talked two guys days. Are so polite. We just talked two days ago, Robbie, and I, uh, listen, I'm doing the same ass thing. I've I'm crushed, playing I've crushed Animal a lot Crossing. Of then. I'm playing Animal Crossing and watching Breaking Bad, and I watched Swallow. Oh, so. very nice. What about you, Bern? Yeah, just watched this movie today. Finished Bojack Horseman the other day. Um, and then last night, I believe it was last night. I played trivia on Zoom with a group of friends, and it was very interesting. Was like, one nice. couple hosted it, and then they would break us out into different, like, meeting rooms on Zoom to, like, meet with our team members, which I didn't know was possible, so. Zoom is a game changer, man. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Zoom is, we're going to try and do a video version of this podcast. If I don't run into any technical difficulties, then the audience will see it. Um but Zoom, like, made – I tried to do it a different way with the other podcast we did, and it just didn't work, and I didn't realize Zoom could just, like, export your meeting with the correct audio super easily. Um, so it's cool. Zoom, Zoom's a game changer. I'm, yeah. I'm burned. I'm glad that you're able to find to do some trivia. I know you're a trivia gal. I am. So I'm happy you're able to find some trivia for you to for you to do. Also doing some reconnaissance work for possible story screen trivia for the month of April. So we'll see. That's true. Mm. Digital – Trivia. Yes. Uh, I'm watching Bates Motel with my lovely girlfriend Kirsten, and I'm also I made a irresponsible financial decision during the midst of not having a job to uh, get Animal Crossing. Dude, I oh, told yeah, you, nice. And, maybe uh, it was worth it. Already. Maybe maybe <laughs> financially, maybe financially not the most responsible, but like mentally, yes. it's the right choice. It's a it's sound a, choice. It's nice. Well, it's cool because the game is a job. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and you can so, go outside. You know, so, and you can go outside and, and you can, can talk to other people. Yeah, yeah so it's great. All the things that you're missing right now, you, Animal Crossing Switch, has got for you. And I, I've also never been a Switch person, but I've also never been in a government-mandated quarantine. So there you go. You know, there's a lot of new things for everybody going on. You mean Trails you've never great. been an Animal Crossing person? Because I know for a fucking fact you've been a Switch person Yeah, you're for a, a Switch minute. boy. I've never, yeah, my <laughs> I've never been an Animal Crossing person. There you go. Yeah, I've never, it never appealed to me. I'm not really a Sims guy, and uh, everything people say about this is, is true. This is the best one. So it seems, you came in at the right time. Yeah, I'm happy about it. Cool. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening and maybe potentially watching this episode of Hot Takes. Uh, we're not the only podcast on Story Screen. Uh, Story Screen is a host to many podcasts, articles, reviews. We, uh, like I mentioned earlier, are launching a subscription service uh, for our content. $5 a month gets you access to an exclusive feed of exclusive content that you can only get there. So if you like the stuff that we do here, there's going to be more there and you or can hey, be you know, if you even just like us you want to kick us five and if you want to throw us some dollars you know we can get we can get some webcams you get some better mics we can it's all going to be fed back into the product that we're producing for you right now uh so go on storiescreenbeacon.com to buy a fucking t-shirt get a mug we have mugs now we have tote bags get a tote bag um uh listen to some shit if you really like our theater and you want to support us this is an easy way to support us uh, and if you don't have the bucks, then listening and watching means the world to us. And talking to us about movies is the only fucking thing that we like doing. And hey, tell and tell your friends. Crossing. Tell your friends, too. Because <laughs> yeah, that, that's a free way to help us out. So If you For know sure. someone who likes movies and likes people having discourse about them, this is, we'd love, bring them in. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much all we do. <laughs> that's about it. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you. We will Thanks, see Robbie. you uh, next time. Thank you. All right. Peace. Bye, guys.
supposedly the AR glass frames that aren't supposed to show reflections. And uh, well, I think yeah, it's it lies. not working. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think that is true. No, quarantine and all of these Zoom chats have taught me that my glasses are very much reflective. Yeah, it don't, it don't bother nobody. Nah. <laughs>